2: Hour number two is underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock on this free-for-all Friday, the 16th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks so much for joining us. As the city of Cleveland continues to get more dangerous, as crime continues to rise, and as more and more Cleveland residents move out of the city and oftentimes out of Northeast Ohio altogether, Cleveland's city council remains constant. Cleveland currently has roughly 385,000 residents. That means each council ward represents roughly 25,000 people. How and why are there still 17 members of city council when there are only seven members or nine members in larger cities like Columbus and Cincinnati? And why are they making $80,000 a year? when members in these other cities are making roughly half that, maybe 50 to 60% of that. That's one question that is being asked by a group called Cleveland First. Their aim is to shrink Cleveland City Council in number and to cut their pay to make it more in line with other big cities, especially in the state of Ohio. One of the men responsible for this organization is Cleveland Businessman. He is uh, very, very well-known and very well-connected. He is a restaurateur. Uh, Tony uh, George joining us right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Tony, thank you so much for coming on with us. How are you, sir? Good.
3: Thank you for having me this morning.
2: It's a pleasure to have you. I've been following what you're doing for a long time, and I want to say good morning also to my friend Steve Loomis, our mutual friend. Steve Loomis is a Cleveland police detective, and he is also the former president of the CPPA. That is the Police Patrolmen's Association. And Steve, good morning to you.
4: Morning, Bob. Morning, Tony.
2: Steve, you and I have had this conversation many times on the radio and off the radio about the size of Cleveland City Council and about, quite frankly, its uselessness uh, because uh, it, it really is that when you look at the cost uh, of that council, how much money these people are making and what the effectiveness of their legislating has been. Uh, and so, Tony, I'm going to start with you. Uh, as I said, you, you have been talking about this for a long time. Steve and I have been talking about this for a long time. But now this is a really strong, concerted effort. to get enough signatures on a petition to get this on a ballot to shrink the size of council. Why are you acting now?
3: Well, I don't know if you know this, Bob. i tried to do this in the past. We actually collected all the signatures and we met with then-Council President Marty Sweeney who agreed to reduce city council through council itself. He kept his word. He brought it from 21 to 19... From 19 to 17 since then we've continued to lose population in cleveland city council is not going to do anything to police themselves so i think it's time to reduce city council do it through the ballot box and reduce their pay i don't have a problem with people making good money if you can show the results but the results are as of yesterday we just beat last year's numbers for murders in Cleveland. Cleveland has more murders in Cleveland than they do in Iraq in the middle of a war. Think about that. What are we doing? You had Level. a mayor who just ran, who promised to put on 200 more cops. City council's sitting by, sitting on their hands. Yeah, he's putting on 200 more cops, but he's not telling you there's going to be 275 retiring. So to get two hundred extra cops, and I think Steve Loomis can talk better to this than I can, you need to hire four hundred and seventy five cops if you want two hundred positive. City Council just ignores this. No checks and balances on the mayor, not one issue that the administration has put forward since he's been the mayor has been opposed by city council. They need to go. We need to replace all of them. Most of them are my friends. I'm sorry but I want to do what's good for the city of Cleveland. I love this city. I was born and raised there. I do a lot of business there, and I'm not going to allow this to happen in the future.
2: Tony George, uh, Cleveland businessman and restaurateur. Again, he's uh, the biggest financial backer behind Cleveland First. And uh, you just heard him, Steve. You know, he doesn't like doing this. Some of these council members are his yep. friends. But he's doing exactly what that name says. He's putting Cleveland First. And uh, the residents come before city council members. Uh, can you speak to what he was just talking about in terms of the crime rate in Cleveland, the murders, as he just pointed out, uh, uh, outpacing last year's, and the fact that the number of police officers continues to shrink because more are leaving than are being and and put on the force
4: yeah that's exactly right bob um you know we're right now we're 214 police officers below our budgeted strength that's the money that city council gave us to hire police officers um we supported police and fire unions and the other city unions. supported the income tax increase that, that brought them a windfall of extra money yet we haven't seen one dime of it in not, not reasons, I'm not talking about what we're making, but um, in, in equipment and in, uh, the things that we need to go out and do the best job that we can for the, for the people. And I'm, I'm with Tony, man. I love this city. I've, had, I've been able to move out of this city for a long time and, and I just, I love the city and uh, we're committed to, to doing the best we can with the resources that we have. City council is a completely inept and, and, and there are friends of mine on that council. And we've had this conversation. Ward politics is killing the city of Cleveland. Um, these folks are responsible, like you said earlier, to twenty-five thousand people. It doesn't matter if they uh, beat up their wives. It doesn't matter if they've got two or three DUIs under their belt. It doesn't matter if they show up to city council meetings, which, by the way, are a joke. I've never seen a city council not take, uh, uh, not have public hearings on issues of concern like the dirt track and the things like that. Um, so it, it's completely inept. Uh, they're very, very comfortable. There's no accountability. There's no transparency in what they're doing over there. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, if you combine Cincinnati City Council and Columbus City Council, there's 16 councilmen for 1.2 million people. They have 17 councilmen making much less for 380000 maybe. If we're looking making
2: much more you mean making much more Make- uh, salary wise yeah oh yeah making much less than our city
4: councilman so
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I I heard that backwards when you said much less. Yeah, the, the the members that you're talking about in Columbus and Cincinnati make much less yeah. than the ones in Cleveland do. Uh, Steve, let me go back to Tony for a second here to talk okay. about uh, this aspect of it. Tony, um, you, you said that um, you, you got about, I think, half of the signatures that you needed just on Election Day and that the response from people who are coming up to you and to the other people for Cleveland First is overwhelming. They want this to change as well. Can you tell me more about that?
3: Well, Here's what happened. While, we were, while the people were out there collecting signatures, there was actually waiting lines for people to sign the petitions on Election Day. They were snatching the clipboards from the signature-gathering people to sign these. That tells me there's a lot of enthusiasm in the direction of reducing the number of council and reducing their pay. We, we probably have over half the signatures that we need, from
2: one day out in the field. That's phenomenal. What what about the business community, uh, Tony? Uh, We're talking to Tony George, Cleveland businessman, and Steve Loomis, uh, Cleveland police detective and former president of the police union. What about the business community, other people like you? What do they say about this initiative? Are they behind it? And and what is their their confidence level that this can happen?
3: Well, the business people that I'm talking to (laughs) um, are saying, Bravo, good thing you're doing this you know you stick your neck out when you do something like this now what i'm waiting for bob is the attacks from the city against me and my businesses they're coming i just don't know when and where but you know what i'm prepared for it i hope they do what they did yesterday or the day before they had a private meeting behind closed doors to talk about how they're going to rebut these two petition drives which is by the way it's illegal it's illegal.
2: What's illegal? From the
3: plane dealer today, you should read the article. They shouldn't have did that. But what what's the ramifications for them doing that? They get their hands slapped. Big deal. There should be criminal ramifications for them doing that. If we did that, we'd be in jail.
2: Uh, Steve, uh, let, let, us talk a little bit more about, uh, what you're hearing. Because again, you and I have talked about this for a long time. In fact, it, Tony, you can speak to this too. Uh, you, you, you said that when Martin Sweeney, Sweeney was council president, you did this and he followed through. What were you asking for then? Because he reduced it by two and then it was reduced by two more. It went from 21 to 19 to 17. That's, that's a little different than what we're talking about now and cutting it down to nine. Uh, is that what you asked for last time, Tony? Did you say to him, hey, we just want to knock a couple of seats off?
3: No, we, we, we actually collected the signatures, had them ready to file, met with them, uh, Council President Marty Sweeney. We were going to take it from 21 to 11. Okay. Okay. After discussion with him, we agreed that we would allow him to take it down two at a time or through the population reduction or however what formula we agreed to. And he did. He did. But since then, it's been a long time since then, Bob the population has decreased tremendously. Sure. And these guys are still not doing what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be the check and balance to the mayor. They're supposed to question everything, every initiative he puts forward. You've got $88 million increase in income tax. Where's the policeman on the street? Where are the policemen on the street? As a business owner in Cleveland, and I own multiple buildings in Cleveland, they're getting broke into they've gotten broken into so many times we don't even report it no more and what's that do to the statistics you can ask steve loomis if people stop reporting crimes now you really got a problem
2: Steve, uh, let's get into that. Uh, I wanted to ask you to speak on what Tony was talking about about the the, the citizens and and the civilians in the city and how they uh, how they th- what they think about this because you have been talking about it for a long time and even though you're not a politician, you know as a union president, you do have a lot of you know interactions with the uh, business community and others uh, with respect to um, uh, with respect to crime in the in the city. So, w- what kind of feedback are you getting from this?
4: Um, it's incredible. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, Bob and. And you can set it in Vegas. If this mm-hmm. thing, if we get the signatures for this initiative, um, it is going to pass by a landslide. Um, I go from one side of the city to the other, and there's very, very few people that are happy with the way things are working uh, in, in our government right now. Uh, we have 11 homicide detectives, we have eight sex crimes detectives. Just to put that in perspective, Columbus has 52 homicide detectives and about a hundred homicides a year, um, it, you know? So they're not doing their job. They're not overseeing uh, what the mayor is doing. Uh, and at the end of the day, they're not looking at the big picture. All they're concerned about is the look 25,000 people in their ward. So when, uh, when uh, uh, they find money, that always you know, makes me laugh because we, we found $20 million somewhere. And how do you lose $20 million? We you find that, they use it to do great things like put fancy streetlights up and, and bike lanes and, and all this stuff. They're not looking at the big picture, and, and that is safety in the schools. When you move someplace, number one and number two questions you ask, I don't care who you are, is how safe is the neighborhood and how good are the schools? Period, okay. And we are failing miserably. In both of those areas, and you're not going to. It amazes me that we have the investment in the city that we do have from the business community, like uh Mr. George, uh, because well, they're investing a lot of money, <clears throat> and we're not being able to. We're not being able to keep them as safe as as we should.
2: Steve, Steve, Steve to, let me jump in. Let me I'm jump in. You level. may. Yeah, you may, you're making great points, Steve. Let me jump in because I got to get our traffic check here. Steve Loomis, Tony George, stay with me. I'm going to come right back and want to talk about what the next step is once these signatures are all gathered. What the likelihood is that it's going to get done versus another negotiation with the current council president, like the past ones with uh, Council President Sweeney. So we'll talk more about that as we continue right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello! By ten twenty six, I don't have a lot of time left with my guests, but I want to spend uh, spend it valuably. Tony George is a Cleveland restaurateur, businessman. Steve Loomis is the former president of the Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association, and we're talking about um, the movement to uh, shrink Cleveland's City Council from uh, from the current seventeen down to nine, and to shrink their pay from eighty thousand down to fifty eight thousand. Tony, you said you did this before you got the petitions and ended up negotiating with the former uh, council president to chop it down to a, to a smaller number than what they had, but not nearly what you are asking for. What are the chances you negotiate this with Kevin Kelly in a similar way?
3: Well, I mean, again, we got to talk about leadership. Kevin Kelly's got to show me he's a leader and come and sit at the table and say, look, why don't we negotiate this to a number that's acceptable for everybody and negotiate their pay to a number, number acceptable to everybody? But right now... Bob, I don't see a negotiation. I see just going right to the ballot. We need fresh, new, young blood on all levels of government, not just city government. We need fresh, new, young blood in council government. you got 11 county councilmen. That's my next target. Okay? We don't need that many.
2: I don't disagree. I think that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it from the county council point of view. Although it is, of course, a lot newer. Uh, you know, the county council. You know, in terms of the the uh, uh, the the concept, the charter government. But Steve Loomis, what about you? What do you think uh, would be the the best way to go here? Do we have to get it down to that number nine, like Cleveland first wants to do, or would you? Is there a number between seventeen and nine that you think would be best served for the uh, for the um, uh, citizens of Cleveland, and also as it pertains to uh, a legislative body that's going to do something? about the crime rate here and do something with the police force
4: No, I think nine is is a good number we have five police districts the police districts are broken up into Mm -hmm. population Um, you know so they're all equally populated so that's already done for them and then if we can sprinkle in some uh, at-large city councilmen so the mayor's got somebody in his rearview mayor that's done a citywide election that's just icing on the cake and if you make these wards bigger and and you have a bigger cross-section of the city uh, involved in these elections, they're going to hold these councilmen uh, um, liable for what they do or they don't do. You know, we've had councilmen that have been involved in in terrible uh, criminal activity. there's there's nine councilmen on on city council right now that wouldn't be qualified, pass a background check, to be a Cleveland police officer or or anything else. Um,
2: that's Yet they continue to be elected and re-elected. The same yeah, individuals, because, and yeah, because
4: but, it's real easy to impress um, the the twelve hundred people in your ward. You have a couple pancake socials, and you know that's
2: that's that's little Billy. You know, that Tony, Tony, good. would you let me get Tony back in before we're done here? Tony, would you, or are, are we talking about nine wards, or are we talking about nine at large, where everybody represents uh-huh. the city?
3: Right now, we're talking about nine wards. So you're talking nine separate wards, and when they redraw the lines, they got to have almost equal population in each of those wards. And you're talking about a reduction in pay, and what that does is the guys that are thinking about staying are going to think twice because they're not going to make the money they were making. That makes room for f- fresh,
2: new, young, blood, with great new ideas. Right, new ideas, exactly. That's, that, that's the thing that's missing, I think, from some of the old guard. And last thing, you, you, you alluded to it uh, a few moments ago, Tony, that uh, the, you know some of your friends on council are call, coming to you and saying, what are you doing, don't do this to us. Uh, and your response to them has been what?
3: Well, my response to them has been, I can be a little sarcastic right now and say, well, tell me one issue that council has disagreed with the mayor on and not allowed in the past. Give me one issue. None of them have been able to give me one issue. I go, look, you're going to be part of the solution or part of the problem. If you want to be one of the nine, support the issue, and I'll support you. And, that's yeah, what and I In told. other
2: words, they're not representing their constituents in their wards anyway. They're representing the mayor's office, and, that's, and, and, that's, I, and what's look, the and point I don't of that? Want
3: to bundle, and I don't want to bundle them all up because there are a handful of them that really work hard and do their job. That's but the true. majority of them just show up for a paycheck. And vote the way they're told to vote. We don't need puppets. We need people to come up with new ideas how we're going to re energize Cleveland, how we're going to keep Cleveland moving in the right direction. The U.S. World News magazine had Cleveland as the 10th worst run city in the nation. That's embarrassing.
2: No, well, that survey must have been taken, that, that survey must have been taken after a good month. Uh, because that, that's how really bad it is. Uh, Tony George, uh, Cleveland businessman, Steve Loomis, Cleveland Police Patrolman Association, past president. Guys, thank you very much. Obviously, we're not anywhere near done with this. I would like to stay in touch with you both, especially you, Tony, because you're one of the drivers behind Cleveland First. I think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing, and I hope you generate enough support to actually get it done, not just in petitions, but eventually in votes. And I thank you so much for your time. But-
3: Can I make one more statement real quick? We need to change our attitude with the way we treat our policemen and the way we talk about our policemen for risking their lives every day for us out there. The city council and the politicians need to support our police, not go against them.
2: Very well said, sir, and that's a great way to close it. Tony, thank you so much. Steve Loomis, thank you so much. I'll talk to you both again soon.
4: If I could really quickly... Hearts uh, and prayers out to the Fahey family. Uh, David Fahey's person that killed David Fahey on the highway is being sentenced this morning. So um, hearts and prayers, and thank you, Tony, for saying that. Say hi to Mikey for me. I
2: will. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, gentlemen. God bless both. Thank you so much. And uh, it's 1032. Let's catch up on news and come right back with more of your phone calls on AM 1420. Team everywhere Tuesday night.
0: Of Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer,
2: yes, indeed. Great conversation with Tony George and Steve Loomis. If you are a Cleveland resident, I would definitely like to hear your reactions to that conversation. Uh, it is, it is, it is astounding when you think about it. The numbers that Steve gave—you combine the populations of the two other largest cities in the state of Ohio, of Columbus and Cincinnati. You combine those populations, and they have 1.2 million people. And for 1.2 million people, you combine the two city councils, and they have 16 members. 16 members for 1.2 million people. There's 385,000 people in Cleveland, and they have 17 council members, all making about $40,000 a year more than they are in Columbus and Cincinnati. Somebody's gonna to have to explain that to me. As uh, as Denzel said in Philadelphia, explain that to me like I'm a four-year-old or a six-year-old, because I don't understand that. I can't get that through my thick skull. Simply insane. How do you feel about it? Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight. Two eight one eleven ten. One other news note: I just literally saw this come across my screen. Uh, breaking news: The Democrats have succeeded in getting a liberal judge to give Jim Acosta his press pass back. That's right: a federal judge has decided that Jim Acosta has the right to grandstand, lecture, argue, debate, and embarrass himself in the White House press pool despite the White House's decision to revoke that pass, or at least to temporarily suspend that pass. This is not a surprise. This is what they do. This is exactly why we talk about unelected judges transforming America. I talk about Daniel Horowitz's book, Stolen Sovereignty. You have to read it. A federal judge literally just moments ago, this was reported, uh, has ordered the White House to restore Jim Acosta's White House press pass. CNN's legal challenge came in response to the Trump administration's decision, obviously, as you know, to yank the uh, hard pass which gave him access to the White House grounds after Acosta clashed with the president at a news conference earlier in the day. CNN's lawsuit underscores Trump's increasingly hostile relationship, says CNBC, with many mainstream media outlets, which he regularly derives, derives as fake news and the enemy of the people. Well, they are both, especially CNN. The judge, uh, Timothy Kelly... The Judge Timothy Kelly... Oh, I, I, then I have to take this part back. I have to take this part back. I said I assumed it was a liberal judge appointed by Barack Obama. I was incorrect. I will own this. Timothy Kelly is actually a federal judge appointed by President Trump himself. The I'm looking for the actual wording of the ruling by the judge... But the judge uh, has indeed uh, uh, given the hard pass back. CNN's argument was that every day that passes without Acosta regaining his press credentials is a concrete injury. How is it a concrete injury? Appoint somebody else to go to the press pool and go to the White House and do what Jim Acosta is supposed to do. Jim Acosta's job is to ask questions of the president, not engage him in debate. He's not a politician. He's not a member of Congress. He's a reporter. A reporter's job is to ask the president questions or the press secretary questions. That's it. He stands there and says to him, I want to challenge you. You keep calling the caravan an invasion. It's not an invasion. Wait, what? What do you mean? That's not a question. And that's not your place to decide. If you're doing your job like a journalist, Jim Acosta, maybe you wouldn't have your journalist pass revoked in the first place. How about asking, why, Mr. President, do you believe this to be an invasion? That's how you do your job. Instead, like a punk, he asked him, uh, or didn't ask him, he made a statement to him deciding he wanted to get into a debate with the President of the United States, which is not a reporter's right. We talk about the First Amendment all the time. We talk about defend speech we talk about defending the freedom of the press the freedom of the press is to report without being censored by the government the freedom of the press includes your ability to ask questions of people in government so that you can report not to engage in in debate with the president of the united states The place to do that is where you do it, on your shows, on Jake Tapper's show and Chris Cuomo's show and the rest of the hacks on CNN. They can criticize and debate the president there all they want. If you want to invite Sarah Sanders on to debate, if you want to invite Kellyanne Conway on to debate, if you want to invite Melania Trump on to debate, if you dare to invite the president to sit down with you and debate, then you could do that. At the press pool It is and at a press conference, uh, that press pool's job is not to debate the president. It is to ask questions and listen to his responses and then report on those to your viewers slash readers. Jim Acosta has no right whatsoever to that press pass. I don't care what any judge says. He does not have the right. The, the, the White House has the right to determine which passes are granted and approved to which uh, agencies and which ones are not. And I didn't even mention in this entire rant his physical refusal to give the microphone up when the president said, your time is up, it's on to the next question. Not only did he forcefully yank the microphone back away from the White House press intern who tried to take it from him, Doing her job, he knocked her forearm down in a way of getting her hand away from that microphone. It was a physical expression of refusal to to submit to presidential authority. The president is in charge of the room. He said, next question belongs to the next person. Kristen Welker wouldn't have done that. Major Garrett wouldn't have done that. I can't think of it. I'm talking about people from liberal uh, organizations. Kelly O'Donnell wouldn't have done that. When the president said next question, they would have handed the microphone off. Jim Acosta wanted to be the tough guy. I don't have to. I want you to tell me why you think it's an invasion. It's not an invasion. By the way, just to kind of throw this out there, this is totally sidebar. But even the invaders admit that they're invaders. (laughs) What I mean by that is, even invaders, uh, the invaders admit that they are not here for asylum. They're not seeking political asylum. They're here for jobs. They want to come into the United States under the guise of asylum because they want to take American jobs. They're literally saying that to reporters who know that they have no business whatsoever in uh, in uh, trying to uh, to get asylum. I've got stories on it in front of me right now. The caravan uh, marchers admit they are job seekers. Quote, I know I'm not getting any asylum. I'm here looking for jobs. That is, and by doing it under nefarious means, by doing it under deceitful efforts, by proclaiming oh, I'm here for asylum, you know, which is what the whole caravan writ large is doing, and then obviously not meaning that, that they know they're just here for jobs, they're doing it uh, illegally. And doing something illegally like this is, is essentially an invasion. The president is correct. All right, if you have thoughts on it, 216 and 888 281 TJ in Cleveland, you're next. Hi, TJ, go ahead.
3: Yeah, you know, Bob, uh, Loomis and your other guest, when they brought up the point about 100 murders already in Cleveland, you know, here's what yeah. a lot of people in Cleveland don't realize, and they should. You know, we're always looking at Chicago, how horrible the murder rate is. If you yep. take our 100 murders and multiply that by the population difference, like between Cleveland and Chicago, we're worse. We're more violent. We would have more murders uh, based on per capita. population. Per capita, yes. right. Yes. And, and, you know, if he wants signatures, you tell him to come to the South Hills area, of Cleveland, he'll get his signatures in one day here. And as far as Acosta goes, you know, if I was Trump, what I would do is keep him until the very last question. Very last. And then when he starts to blow the eight, we're done. Walk out of the room.
2: That's what I was going to say. And I I would almost disagree a little bit by waiting to the last question. Because the way, and I was talking about this with a guest on the Hugh Hewitt program this morning, TJ, um, the way you deal with him. Is you ask him one of the, or let him ask one of the first questions. And when he refuses to relent and give the mic to the next person, uh, then you say this press conference is over and you leave. And you do that every single day. Talking about Sarah Sanders with the press briefing. You do that every single day that Acosta grandstands, you walk out. Because then you don't have to deal with him. You don't have to change him. You know who will change him? The rest of the press pool that didn't get to answer it, they asked their questions. The New York Times reporter, the Post reporter, the, C- the CBS reporter, and on down the line. They will be like, doggone it. I'm using gentle language here. They probably would use a lot stronger language. Acosta, knock it off. I didn't get And they want their stories. But if Acosta ruins it for everybody, they'll take care of their own business. I can't remember who it was. There was a caller with this morning when I was doing the Hewitt program who said it reminds them of the Marine Corps. And, and they reminded me, when he said that, of Full Metal Jacket. You probably know what I'm talking about. It wasn't the gunnery sergeant Hartman who had to beat up uh, uh, Private Pyle. He just punished the rest of the men for every mistake that Pyle made until they beat him up. And that's what got him in line. Same thing. Punish the rest of the pool reporters. Don't let them ask questions and walk out every time Acosta grandstands, and then they will take care of him their own way. Obviously not physically beating him up, but you understand the point. Todd is in uh, somewhere. I don't know where you are. Todd, where are you calling from?
5: Ward 1, Cleveland, Ohio.
2: Thank you, Todd. Joe go Jones,
5: ahead. Joe Jones is the councilman. I pay very close attention to Ward 1, Ward 2, and Ward 4, <laughs> and... I'm not inclined to believe that that's the right way to go to try to reduce city council. They would be better to push to to increase the detailed responsibilities of the individual city councilman, and then you're going to put then that will ultimately lead to a better qualified and a more ambitious city councilman in the office, not reduction of pay or reduction of war, a reduction of councilmen. Because if you take nine city councilmen, of, over a city of three hundred eighty-five thousand, that's going to spread them out very wide. I don't think that's what you want to do. You want to make them more concentrated so you could kind of focus on what they're doing. Why there.
2: would why would you want to go? Why I, you, you, I don't understand a bit. Why would you look at this model, which absolutely sucks, because the city of Cleveland sucks. The city of Cleveland is a crime haven. It's a Quiet murder capital. It is, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a murder capital. The, the city council members that you're talking about are doing nothing for their constituents. As uh, uh, Tony George said when he asked them, when they came to him and said, man, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get me out of my job? What are you doing here? I'm making 80K to do nothing here. And he said to them, you tell me. You call me back. This is what Tony George told me off the air. He said to each council member to complain, you call me back and tell me one thing that council has done to represent their, citizen, their citizens, their, their voters. Hold time. on, hold on. No, you can't because this is important. This is very important. Uh, and, and one time you have opposed the mayor and stood up for the people against the mayor. You call me back. He didn't get one return phone call. From any one of the, of the half dozen or more that have called him to say, hey man, quit doing this to us. They aren't doing anything for the residents. It is an absolute disaster. How could you say that that is a better model than what they have in Columbus, where the crime rate is lower, where the citizens' needs are being met, and they got seven council members for a population twice the size of Cleveland's?
5: Todd, 22. it makes no sense. Tony George said to you there was a handful of councilmen that worked their tails off and he felt that they were doing a reasonably good job. But He didn't name the councilmen. He didn't say what specifically they were doing. What well, Tony guess what? George that handful that
2: handful would be geez, part of the nine that keep their jobs, Todd. Todd? Right? That handful would be a
5: part of the nine. How about if he was so confident that that handful he could have named one of them and said exactly what they were doing so people could better assess what Tony George qualified as being a good city councilman? Now, I could tell you Ward 1, War 2, and Ward 4 city councilmen should be doing better, but to say that they're doing nothing is absurd.
2: Well, Todd, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you slander. what. You know what? It's, you know what? It's not up to don't know it's not. The city of Cleveland is a crap hole. It's a crap hole being run by a crap hole mayor with a bunch of crap hole, um, puppets on a string that sign off on everything he does on the city council. It needs a complete overhaul. And guess what? You're right. Tony George doesn't get to say that. Bob France doesn't get to say that. Todd in Cleveland, first ward doesn't get to say that. The people get to say that when this thing goes to the ballot. And that's exactly what I want to see happen. Let's see if the people agree. If the people think Todd in Cleveland is right, They'll vote this thing down and say we want our 17 members at 80,000 a year. If the people think this is trash, they will say we want this thing knocked down to nine at $58,000 a year and we want new blood in those seats. So let's let the people of the city of Cleveland decide this for us. Todd, I thank you for the phone call as I always do. It's 1050. More coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 10.53, i got time for a few more phone calls before we get to the top of the hour. And Mike Gallagher here on AM 1420, The Answer. If you want to talk about the um, city council issue that I just discussed with Todd, you can do that. Or if you want to talk about Jim Acosta getting his press pass back, thanks to a judge. I mean, you know, somebody just tweeted to me a very good question. Uh, judge ordered Trump, uh, oh, this is Steve from OJJPAC, the Ohio Jobs and Justice Pack. Uh, judge orders the Trump administration to restore Acosta's press pass. Soon, the courts will determine when the president can go to the bathroom. It, exactly, this is up to the president. This is not a freedom of the press case. The press is allowed to report, but the president is allowed to choose who comes into his office and who comes into the into the uh, uh, into the uh, press room. The president, they have. There's a reason you have to apply for a press pass, and it has to be approved. You have to prove that you're from an accredited organization, and you have to prove that you are there to be a reporter and not to be a, an activist. Jim Acosta is an activist with a press pass, so they pulled the press pass. That's up to the president. Every event, every organization... If it's covered by the press, they have the right to demand applications for a press pass, and those applications can be approved or denied based on a whole host of criteria that is up to the organization, and in this case, it's the White House. That is absolutely insane. Um, John and Chardon is up. John, you're on the air. Go ahead.
3: Hey, Bob. What scares me out of my wits these days is how close nationally we are to conceding the power of government to the crazies. An example would be this Stacey Abrams in Georgia, who uh, is contesting her election against Kemp. It's not close, but I became acquainted with her first and I watched TV, and they played a tape of her railing against free market capitalism for Kren, she uh... Yeah,
2: and yeah and yet she's close. I mean, you know, you're right. She is crazy and you're right. She is trying to steal an election and she's refusing to concede something she has lost and and yet she has a lot of votes. And uh and that's despite as you said, you know, railing against capitalism. Heck, that's not You think that's bad? You want to talk about crazies, John? Look out in Arizona. Martha McSally, a decorated fighter pilot, was defeated by Kristen Cinema who actually declared that it's okay for Americans to want to join the Taliban. And people voted more, people voted for her, at least that's what they're telling us. I still do not necessarily agree that there wasn't fraud in Maricopa County. But but we have Democrats running on socialist platforms, on pro-Taliban platforms, and on anti-capitalism platforms, and they're getting votes. Lots of them. Yes, you're right. We are ceding power in some measures to the crazies. Uh, Maureen is in Parma next. Hi, Maureen, go ahead. Well, hi,
6: Bob. Hello. Um, Yes, Hi, I just wanted to uh, delve into this issue of the voter fraud. And now that we know that over 50% of the ballots are absentee, I know from experience how much fraud there is on the other side. I used to be on the other side, and we used to have a joke about voting early and often. Everybody would go and vote everywhere they ever lived because they were still on the roll. So it was a big undertaking to drive from one place to another all day long. But they did it, they got away with it, no problem, back in like the early 90s. And now it's very easy. All You just fill out an absentee ballot and you're good to go. And these people were voting in the names of their dead parents, their friends, their relatives, their neighbors, and themselves. And there was no check or balance on it and everyone knew it. Now, right now, I know that when you do an absentee ballot, you don't show an ID. But when I go and vote in person, I have to show an ID. So I think one solution would be if we just make someone attach a proof of ID onto their ballot, then you know it's really them. And if it is fraudulent, you know who did it.
2: Well, that's a very good point, and that's a very good idea, and you're right. By the way, that is still going on, what you described from back in the 90s, and the reason we know this is because when uh, Secretary of State John Husted tried to purge the voter rolls to get people's old addresses off and to get people who are registered in more than one place to get those uh, uh, registrations uh, off of the rolls and to get those who are deceased off of the rolls so people can't just go in and use the name of a dead relative and vote without an ID, when Judge, er not Judge, when uh, Secretary of State John Houston tried to do that here in Ohio. A judge overruled him, and for and ruled that those names must go back on, so that people can drive from one place to another and vote for other people without needing a photo identification. Uh, and that is exactly and what you said, by the way, about when you vote in person, you need an ID. It depends on where you go. Because last week, during election week, I had a bunch of people telling me uh, that they went right up to where they're supposed to vote. was never asked for an ID. They just had to give their name and then sign their name. Again, signatures don't have to match, according to a judge in Florida. And uh, they were able to vote. So it is a very, very serious issue when it comes to voter fraud. Do not listen to uh, those who will try to tell you, including Chuck Schumer, that there is no voter fraud. It's how the Democrats survive electorally. All right, that's it. That's all the time that I've got. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, really important conversations held today. We'll pick up on those Monday. But for now, stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's next.
0: Enjoy the silence